Hello, ladies and gentlemen, all you exiled film fanatics that have been banished to the wasteland for having hot takes, for loving movies that everybody says is trash, for thinking that actors that are great are horrible, you with your terrible film takes, welcome to this comfortable, you know, zone. You know, no judgment here. We've all been exiled for one reason or another. And we're very excited today to have our spoiler discussion on a long-awaited, hotly anticipated movie, The Snyder Cuts. I am excited to be joined today by two superheroes coming at us from their secret layers. First off is Christian. Christian, what is good and how are you doing? What's up, man? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready with my, my crappy takes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm seeing Exile for a reason. For <laughs> and tell me, you are a freshly minted uh, superhero. You just got a new superpower, immunity <laughs> to the to the coronavirus. Um, how are you feeling? How is uh, how is that experience? You know, having this new superpower after taking the vaccine shots. Uh, I got one of the ones that I got to wait another couple. So I'm in the middle. I got my first shot two weeks ago, and I got two more weeks to go for the second shot. There's little bit of a different feeling i'm still doing the social distancing thing i'm still masking but like when you start like some of my family's vaccinated now you start to see that there's a little light at the end of the tunnel wow and you're, you're that, that's, that's yeah that's such such a great message of hope and optimism naturally that we need in this time and let's go over to our next uh, hero more like an anti-hero okay uh sometimes this is with the forces of good and sometimes he's with the forces of evil, but we love him all the time. It's our Kansas Mafia, and it's Brandon. Hey, hey, hey. Glad we're uh, finally at the end here, and I have, I also have the same superpowers, Christian, so fuck you. That's... that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, well... You could well, be Cyclops, I'll be Wolverine. It's too... <laughs> I, I don't yet have the superpower. I'm waiting patiently. Good things come to those who wait, um, but uh, we'll see how things go in the next couple of, of, of months, and, you know, fingers crossed everything will be good. So, let's get right into this discussion. First off, we're going to start with just a few non-spoiler um, comments. So, for those of you who haven't seen the film, you can dwell on those, watch the film, and then come back for the rest of our spoiler-filled discussion. So, on a non-spoiler basis, Christian... How much were you anticipating the Snyder Cut going in? And tell us a bit of your history with uh, comic books, comic book movies, DC movies, Zack Snyder, the Snyder movement, and just set the table for us. I I mean, I I consider myself a a decent comic book nerd. Uh, I've been reading these damn things since I was a kid and, and continue to collect and still read certain issues to this day uh as childish as that may sound uh there are definitely still some comic lines that i love to follow to this day and i still think it's a it's an art form that sometimes is underappreciated by folks and Mm. tossed aside like it's you know just kitty stuff and some of it is um but that doesn't mean it's not art and um I, i really do enjoy comic books and i i've loved all these characters for so long i've i've loved getting into the fights as we were kids in marvel versus dc you know, and, oh, could Superman beat this character? Who's better, Thanos or Darkseid? You know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's these... Yeah, it's Darkseid. <laughs> well, uh, comic fans will know that Thanos is basically a ripoff of Darkseid, but uh, that's a, that's another 
that's a conversation for another day. Um, but you know, all, all joking aside, it's, I, I love that stuff. And you, you know, Lupe, I just did a DC movie rewatch from freaking 1978 Superman all the way through Wonder Woman 84. And Mm -hmm. I, I basically watch every single one of these movies for the most part. There are some I skip and I watch later and whatever, but I, I can't get enough of these stupid things. I, I, I love them all. And when I, first saw the original theatrical version of Justice League, it was underwhelming. We've talked about this before, so I won't go into detail. To me, it was underwhelming. Apparently, as an MCU fan, I was the group that they were trying to target, and you lost me, and you lost a bunch of my friends, so you did something Mm. wrong. Mm. You did something wrong. Uh, There were a group of people that said it was funny, it was light, they liked it, but there was a whole group more, even in my fan base, that were like, no, no, sorry. We liked Man of Steel, we liked BVS, you screwed up, man. You, you screwed mm. up. and But at the time, I just accepted it as a bad movie and moved mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I knew the story of poor Zach, and you guys know about my mental health struggles, so that was mm-hmm. painful to me. But it was just another story. Uh, and it was when I got involved with you guys, actually, the Exiles. Uh, and I got involved with Manu and Millennial Mike, and then I got introduced to Brandon, you, Lupe, and, and the group. And you guys kind of pulled me in and also started explaining to me what the whole backstory was to this whole thing. And I started understanding, I always thought that there was something out there, a cut, but I didn't know what it was. And, uh, but it was, it was, you know, and then the rest is history, right? We, we've already gone through all the history and all the events and everything that we, I started participating in that in 2019. Mm-hmm. So my hype level over the last couple of months, I really tried to stay away from storyboards and stuff like that, but it was kind of impossible. So my hype level really started to go up, especially as a fan of these characters and understanding that they could be done in a, in a much more respectful way from a guy that loves them, uh, from a place of caring. So yeah, my, my hype level went up. Um, I don't know if you want me to talk about right now how, what, what I thought of the movie, just non-spoiler wise. I will. Um, no, no, let's, let's, the, the yeah. table set. So it's, yep, it's, there it is. We're anticipating your thoughts, but let's go on to Brandon. So Brandon, tell us what's your history with uh, these movies, from any perspective you want to, you want you want to come to set the table for us, so we understand who you are as a uh, audience member going into this film. Well, I, I mean, I grew up on DC films. Uh, I used to dress up as Christopher Reeve Superman and take out the trash for my mom. That was just, I, I was always a Superman fan. I've loved almost every incarnation of it. I sometimes I just I take what's given to me and I tend to enjoy it. I'm. I'm not somebody that tries to block out one way or another. I loved Superman Returns. Uh, there's just something about the characters. I mean, same same with most of the Batman movies, except for the last two Schumacher movies. Um, but, you know, I, I, I grew up reading the comics as a kid, and there was just something different when, when obviously Nolan took over, but then when Snyder came in um, and really just kind of set the bar and I did I don't think I respected it enough when it came out I really liked what it did and how it turned it into a sci-fi movie but it was just something so different because at that point we were already what five years into to the MCU mm-hmm. um, and it was just something so refreshingly different mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of went dormant for a while just didn't think about it and then BVS started getting hyped up and I kind of started get really getting into it again uh, and I think BVS really just changed the kind of fan that I was, uh, and you know, how I paid attention to, you know, film in, in as a whole and just seeing how a movie could be changed so quick and get torn apart and then have a director's cut announced days later 
and it really just kind of really made me start to to dig into the movies uh, and see what was really there. And you know, these, especially the Snyder movies, are just filled with with details that you don't get if, after one viewing that you're not told about that you they really reward somebody who wants to put their time into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just don't get that in movies that much anymore. And especially anything in the comic book genre. Um, so there was just so much more there. And then I got really hyped uh, when justice league was coming out and I, you know, I was paying attention to, you know, a lot of that drama. I still had hope. I was hoping that it would, you know, that maybe Whedon really was just trying to come in and finish it. And there was just no way it became more and more apparent that there was just something wrong. And we all saw the movie. And I, I just remember that the the 17th of November being probably the most disappointing I had ever felt after watching a movie. Mm. Uh, it was just a, a total gut punch, not just because it, it wasn't necessarily the sequel that, that I wanted not just because, you know, Snyder left, not that it was just too short. It wasn't the movie that was promised to us. It wasn't even the movie that was advertised to us in the final trailer four weeks before the movie came out. Uh, it was a total hack job from the studio that lied to their fans, tried to sell them the ticket and move on as fast as possible. Um, and I never really felt, you know, uh, corporatized as much as, as that. Um, and that launched me into to this fandom and uh, fighting for this this movie. And I, I came into contact with you, Lupe, and Christian mm-hmm. a little bit later. But, uh, you know, the, the R.T. Snyder Cut campaigns, and I put my heart into it for four years. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. getting to this point right now is in- incredibly gratifying, and uh, I it's just beyond rewarding. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, um, for me... Um, I've been a DC fan ever since I was a kid. I was always DC over Marvel. My favorite superhero of all time is Superman. My favorite villain of all time is Darkseid. So if you really know like your your comic book eras and superhero mythology and all that stuff, you can kind of pinpoint that my childhood was around the time of Justice League, uh, the animated series, and Superman, the animated series, because that really, um, like, that that clash between, that existential clash between the ultimate uh, great force for good and the ultimate great force for evil in, in comic book movies, period, is Darkseid versus Superman. Um, when I was a kid, I also, you know, I didn't really watch a lot of stuff or read a lot of stuff that, kids would typically watch so i wasn't like watching like dc i mean disney stuff like aladdin and and um hercules and little mermaid and you know um even the more popular stuff i was more into like stuff like conan the barbarian huge fan of that um comic books you know uh thundercats um and also, my dad used to expose me to a lot of like more mature movies. Like when I was a kid, I was watching Ben Hur and the Ten Commandments and the Prince of Persia and Operation uh, Operation Daybreak and McKenna's Gold. Like movies that adults will watch on a loop. So that kind of influenced my my tastes because I was a kid reading Superman and imagine imagining if Superman was made on the level of Hollywood big epics 
And so as I grew, I gravitated towards those big epics. So when you see, you know, movies like Lord of the Rings is one of the greatest things ever created. I mean, period. You can see by the number of Oscars it's won, but even in my mind it is as well. And I've always, you know, imagined what it would be like if superheroes were told on that with that those sensibilities. And I just don't just mean the sensibilities of being, you know, sort of these serious mythological epics, but also in terms of the craftsmanship. So we're talking about cinematography, VFX, acting performances, dialogue. And then when Zack Snyder, you know, came along, that's the exact thing that he did with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. You know, um, while Marvel's movies are more irreverent, more grounded, and they're very effective, Obviously, we can see how successful they are, how many fans they have. Um, I personally, for me, appreciate uh, the other take, um, that that level of elevation and sophistication, just for me personally. You can love both, but I, 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 I like both, but I love um, what Snyder was doing. So after Batman v Superman and, you know, the destruction of the DCEU because of critics, you know, I, I was really looking forward to what he was telling. I wanted to carry on. And so um, after seeing Justice League in theaters and being very disappointed because they took what he had been doing and applied that irreverent um, Marvel formula to it, um, I was I was so disappointed because in my mind, the Justice League is the most iconic group of superheroes. Not just in my mind, it's just the facts. You know, um, whether you prefer them or not, even people who are Marvel fans, you know, would make fun of DC and say, oh, DC is floundering and they're terrible and they don't have the hit movies. And it's funny because they have the more iconic characters, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, like in the DCEU, Zack Snyder never had to do a Batman origin movie because everybody knows who Batman is. You know, he he never had to do, you know, he he's not going to have to do like a Flash origin movie or Green Lantern's origin movie because everybody just knows who those characters are. That's how iconic they are. So the fact that the Justice League movie that we got was horrible. Meanwhile, Avengers had at that point had two, you know, big budget and successful ones that their fans could, you know, really love. That hurt me on a personal level as a fan. There was just something wrong in the universe. To be in a universe where the Justice League don't have a good a good movie, um, and Avengers do, the X-Men do, that just absolutely hurt me. So that was parts, parts, small parts of my motivation towards, you know, the Snyder Cut being a reality and the Snyder Cut being being great. Um and obviously, we know the story of the fight for the Snyder Cut. That's a whole completely different thing. But having Zack Snyder's vision come to the screen and coming into this movie, um, one of the important things to me is, is this movie worthy of the most iconic group of superheroes? The first superhero team up with the biggest superheroes. Is it worthy of that? Um, it's a very, very big ask, but it's what is necessary. And that's, you know, my 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 vantage point coming in in terms of being a fan of Zack Snyder, those type of movies and story. So now that we've set the stage and we know who the players are, let's find out how the game unfolded. Christian, 
with your expectations as as a longtime comic book reader and as someone who who loves all these movies in the genre, I really love your perspective on them. Uh, we we say that you're a Marvel expert, you love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but amongst all of us, you are the most non-biased in terms of really opening your heart out mm-hmm. to to all styles of these stories. Um, so, how did you enjoy or not? the the Snyder cut. What was your, what are your non-spoiler uh, thoughts on it? You, you know, you're right. It's it's um you know Justice League. That's that IP, man. It's it's Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Uh, these characters are iconic. They go far. They go so far back in the comics, and they 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 stretch out to everybody's lives. And you know, people just have all these memories of of especially those three, but also the other characters that are involved, Aquaman, Green Lantern, whoever. Um, and they all have different love affairs with those different stories and those those different characters. And with Marvel, it was the X Men, not the Avengers team that we've been getting so much. Those car- Captain America, Iron Man, whatever. Those are second rate, third rate characters. Justice League is it. I mean, it's 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 pretty amazing. Uh, so everything you said before was was correct. This movie was the the Zack Snyder version of Justice League was the number six on my hype list uh, when we were saying most anticipated movies for 2021. And um, I would say that it probably stays there. I don't think it's. I think my my personal. This is just for me. My personal level of hype. That's exactly where it should be. I still have a couple other movies on the list that I'm more hyped to see. I still want to see them. But I think the biggest thing for me there was two big things. I'm going to I'm going to be upfront. There are absolutely things about this movie I don't like. There's there's story beats and other things that I disagree with. Zach doesn't care. He's going to do what he wants. I but there are things that I personally disagree with from a comic perspective and from a personal perspective. However, heads and tails. Heads and tails better than the than the theatrical cut. The story is it's complete. It connects to the the two previous movies in a much more natural and organic way. It's character development here. And the second thing I want to mention, in addition to it just being more complete, there's care with these characters. And see, that's the biggest thing, man. When you're a comic car- when you're a comic book fan, you can tell who doesn't give a shit about the characters that they're working with, the characters they're writing, and who doesn't care about mm-hmm. the history that came before. And let, let, let me let me just interject. Sorry, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but this is very on track where you're saying I don't I don't want us to to go to something else before this yeah. is mentioned. A lot of people who are reading, who are listening to you. My question, like, who are you to say, you know, who cares or, you know, that's a very hard thing to, to, to I get nail that. down, right? I get uh, that, yeah. However, after Just Just Whedon's Justice League was was released, um, Just Whedon went to a celebration of, like, Marvel Cinematic Universe thing, and on the red carpet, he stated that the Marvel superheroes are better than the DC superheroes. And he gave some reason, which I do not agree with. And that really nailed it home for me, what you're saying in terms of DC and Warner Brothers managed to put into, managed to put into someone's, into the hands, managed to put Justice League into the hands of someone who thinks that they're not the greatest superheroes. You know who we know thinks the Justice League are the greatest superheroes? Zack Snyder. You may not agree with him. You may think that others are great, but the person who should be making this, these movies are people, as you said, 
who deeply care and love them. So you're 100% right, and there is evidence to back up what you're saying. You're not just pulling it out of your out of your ass. But please, no. go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you. Just no. wanted to really reinforce your point. No, what you're saying I think makes perfect sense, and I don't want to pull time away from Brandon, so I'll, I'll try to close it up here. But I, I, I do believe <sighs> – you're right, by the way, Lupe. I don't want to say that I can read somebody's mind and I can get into somebody's head and, and if whether it's it's a guy or, or a woman who is creating a comic book character or writing a character or they're directing a movie or whatever it is. I don't want to say that I can get into their head and say whether they hate or love a character. But you can tell when you are consuming that piece of art or you can tell when you're – even if it's just a, a big blockbuster movie like Jurassic Park, I don't care. You can tell when somebody gives a crap about what they're doing. And that's not what any of us felt, I think, with 2017's Justice League. I, I, I think most of us can understand that. And, and one of the things that I felt while watching this, I didn't have to agree with everything Snyder did. All I had to agree with was that he cared about these characters, he cared about their story arcs, and he cared about the way that they were going to be represented on the screen. And that, to me, shone through from all four hours from beginning to end and we'll deep dive into it later but to me that was the biggest thing i was watching a movie that was created by somebody that actually does care about the characters and we can laugh about the mcu sometimes or whatever but one of the things that they do they throw away some of their characters but the characters they think are important they absolutely do care about you can tell oh, no, they, you they no you, you like no matter what you think i always tell them, no matter what you think like they care it's it's about their sensibilities or whatever but they care about they care about these characters you can tell i mean i disagree I, with I, their arcs of course yeah, there might be like yeah. one or two or whatever, but you can tell that these are like Kevin Feige. He thinks that these are the greatest superheroes. And you we can don't tell. have to he like what he did with them. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like you don't tell. have to agree with that, but you can tell that he actually gives a crap about where they end up. And Zach, to me, you can tell with this team, especially the core group, he cares. And that's shown through. And as a comic book fan, mad respect. Matter respect. So I, you know, definitely I'll leave it at that because I did enjoy what I saw, and it's heads and tails above what we watched before. All right, Brandon, can you compare it to 2017 Justice League, and did this live up to your expectations? Uh, so I mean, no, there there is just no comparison. the The 2017 version was in every way, shape, or form a, a corporate product meant to extract as much money as fast as possible. Um, because they knew what they had messed up. Uh, it's, it's an embarrassment to all of cinema. It, it's going to be a joke forever. Um, and the movie that I watched on Monday and then also today is the answer to that. And it, it's the, this whole saga is going to go down in, in cinema history as you know an embarrassment that was, was righted um, and, and I, I, I do have a couple of gripes here and there, but overall, I'm extremely pleased. If this would have been the movie I would have seen in 2017, who knows where I would be right now. Um, there's a few things in my head that I, I kind of expected to be there, and that's kind of my own fault. Because mm -hmm. uh, we all build up our own headcanon in these movies, which yeah. is why I, I, I tend to stop watching the trailers. And in this one, <laughs> I didn't because I couldn't. I needed that crack. <laughs> um, give me, give me. <laughs> I needed that Zach crack, and I had to watch every trailer. And I kind of wish I would have stopped after the the February fourteenth trailer and just said, "No, I'm going on blackout." Mm -hmm. um, and I would have gone into this not expecting to see Darkseid and his Omega beams. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, just and so many other things. But yeah, I, I watched everything except that final trailer, and I'm actually happy that I didn't watch that final trailer. I don't think people should have watched the final trailer. I, I mean, I set myself to I, I watched it, but I didn't dig through it. Mm-hmm. And even when I was watching uh, reaction videos, as soon as I started rewinding to go back and figure out what was happening, I you I bolted out of out. there. I wanted to know what other people were were how they were reacting to what they were seeing because the positivity around a Zack Snyder movie was abnormal, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but people were were excited, and I was excited, and I was just mostly happy to that I was part of you know, bringing this out and seeing the tide change. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, were there a few things that I probably would have wanted to be done a little different? Sure. But that's not how movie making is. This was Zach's, mm-hmm. Zach's movie, his story. Uh, there might be a few things on the cutting room floor that I, I don't know that there's a, a possibility we see a little bit on the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, I, I just, I, I don't think I could be happier after my second viewing. Um, I don't think I could be happier with where the final product and where we're at. Mm-hmm. All right, very cool. Yeah, for for me, um, I, I had high expectations because Zack Snyder is my favorite director, and every single thing he does has just been stylistically to my taste level, and not just subjective taste, also objective quality in terms of you know. No one out there is ever going to say Zack Snyder is not like an incredible visualist. No one out there is is you know not going to say that the VFX in his films are are absolutely like mind blowing, and the way he uses score and music is you know fantastic. So it's both subjective and objective elements. There's a bar when it comes to a Zack Snyder production, um, and then um, you know. This movie, I was nervous, especially about the runtime. That's that's the thing I was most nervous about, to be to be quite honest. Um, four hours, it's a long time. I love Zack Snyder. I respect him as a filmmaker and a storyteller. I think that he's highly underrated. Um, and I think that this movie does a lot to vindicate, does a lot to prove people who've stuck by him through the ridicule and the the online toxicity towards them, um, it it does a lot to prove them right. Because to take a four-hour movie and use that to tell this tale that never lets you go, that's incredibly well-paced, incredibly well-structured, from start to finish is very engaging, is something that... You know, even great filmmakers will struggle with. Um, and in my opinion, this movie cements him as one of the greatest filmmakers in blockbusters, because that's a completely different genre, I tell people. Um, oh, a completely different style. Um, but at least in blockbusters, Zack Snyder is one of the greatest filmmakers that we have working today and pretty much ever. He's in the same class as your. George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, James Cameron, Ridley Scott, um, Christopher Nolan, Zack Snyder. Um, yeah, so uh, those are our spoiler-free thoughts. Um, and now let's go into very spoilery discussions. Uh, and this is where we're going to have fun. So if you've seen the movie, um, 
hang on. And if you haven't, we will see you later. Let's start with Brandon. Brandon, give us your rundown of your your favorite characters in the Justice League themselves. Um, and tell us why you have them, them ranked. Uh, man, it's, it's so hard to rank them. You know, you've got... Everybody was robbed in the in the theatrical version, uh, but you, you got to come out of this thinking that that Ray Fisher really is the star. Mm. Uh, he was he was robbed in in so many ways in the movie, out of the movie. He, as Zach has promised this whole time, he he was really the heart of it all. He was us along on the journey. Um, he he kind of went on the same journey that Clark went on and. And Man of Steel and, you know, deciding, I mean, he was a good person, but he had to, to make that decision with his powers on what he could do. He could destroy the entire world with nukes or he could help us, you know, a single mother who's just struggling to make ends meet. Uh, and it's the little decisions that, that mattered and, and proved that he was a good person. So I, I've got to give it to him. Superman in the black suit. It's probably got to be my number two, though, just Mm because it's Superman in a black suit. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, when you go get out of the rankings, other than that, you know, I mean, Wonder Woman was was badass again. You get the warrior and she was she was brutal when she needed to be. And then she could turn it right off and show love. Mm -hmm. And that's you know, that's the balance that I think we we've been missing from from Wonder Woman is it, it doesn't have to be always, you know, love. It could be. I will strike you down and then I will prove why love is the right way. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Zach just nailed it. You can be both. Uh, Batman is massively improved. Uh, just the, the stupid facial expressions are, are all gone. The, the quips are all gone and he's just, he truly feels like a, a leader, but you know, he's, he's, trying to reckon with what he did and what what he believes is his fault and the the way that he can he can make things right and mm. so again major improvement there uh i think flash probably still comes out as my least favorite character he's got some awesome moments in it um but i there's just other parts where i just i don't necessarily love uh his portrayal exactly but his mm. suit's awesome his powers are awesome. He has greatly improved, especially seeing him break into the Speed Force. Uh, so, I mean, he's he's at the bottom, but that doesn't mean I, I disliked him by any stretch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but all around, I mean, just every aspect of of it was was fully improved. I, I guess I guess I didn't even cover Aquaman. Aquaman was actually uh, he was probably the least changed from the theatrical version. I would say. But he he is he's a little bit more true to the way that Zach had envisioned him. He was a little bit more stern. He was a little bit more badass. His his action scenes were were much improved. Uh, but I, I I'd still put him over Flash. Just be uh, because I mean he's Jason Momoa. Man, his mm-hmm. his fucking intensity is is there. He's just he's fun to watch because you know he just fucking loves being there. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so that's how I would go through as far as my my favorites in the league. Nice. Um, 
Next up, uh, Christian, um, how, how you te- give us your give us your your rankings of the the heroes and tell us why. Yeah, you know, you know, we we went into this a little bit. I know in, in non spoiler, um, so I, I won't I won't go too in depth. But um, you know, I think it, when you, we've taken a look at the, the there's nobody. I'll give it to you this way: no matter where the rankings end up, I want to say that out of the main characters, there's nobody I really disliked. So. Just putting somebody last doesn't mean I think they're crap. It's just they're just you know kind of outshined by betters <laughs> in, in my mind. Um, but for me, I was genuinely surprised how much I put Cyborg up the rankings and that the talk from Zach before and all the stories that we heard about him being the quote unquote heart and soul of the movie. There were I'm, I'm really happy I got a chance to enjoy this with my wife and and we watched it all together you know, with one another. And then I've watched other scenes by myself later, but his story was so improved. Uh, the, the impact that he had not only on the team, but the potential impact that he could have on the world, just like Kal-El himself is, is pretty amazing. And I just, the change with his father and everything is so amazing. Um, and, and it was incredible to see how much of him was left on the cutting room floor. It's incredible. Um, and, and it's just like, why'd you cut all that? Jesus. I know we have our reasons. We know why, but the point is, is, you know, why do that? So for me, because he was the most impactful character, I launched him up my rankings to number one and he, he became my favorite character in the movie. And for a lot of the beats that Brandon mentioned, um, too easily was Batman. Batman's my favorite character. Batman and Wolverine are my two favorite comic book characters. So Batman, I got to put him at number two. And and one of the reasons I really enjoyed him here is because he was so true to the character that we had in Batman versus Superman. This is somebody that realized what happened at the end of that movie, understood what needed to be done, understood his own failings, the changes that needed to be make that needed to be made within himself, became the leader that Brandon said and was willing to sacrifice it all if he had to at the end. The team is put together now. I trust them. If I die here, I've given it all I got. Um, you know, and I, I really appreciated that about him. Surprisingly enough, I have Aquaman at number three, and it's because of the subtle little changes that I felt to his character. Brandon nailed it. I think he's a little, the tone has shifted a little bit for him. It's one of the things I didn't like about the Aquaman movie as much as I enjoyed it. He was Aqua Bro in that movie, and I think he's a little less Aqua Bro in this. And because we got the increased look into what that Atlantean world would have been. I think that also strengthened his character a little bit. And of course, the little interactions with Mira and stuff, I just think little and Volko, a little different. And and I really appreciated that. So he was definitely number three. Wonder Woman's a badass. We know that. And she's next in line. But unfortunately, in parts of this movie, she's relegated to just basically telling us the story. And that kind of pissed me off a little bit. But her moments where she's pure badass more than makes up for that. But that's the only reason that I have her dropped a little bit farther. And rounding out my final two, unfortunately, I hate Superman's next to last. And again, this is not because he's bad. It's terrible. There are moments with Superman here, like when he returns with Lois and his mother. Oh, my God. Pitch perfect. Pitch mm-hmm. perfect. But I, I didn't like the way his return was handled before. Still don't like it now. Mm-hmm. I, I did not like the – I wanted the black suit to be a journey to something. I didn't like it. it. It bothered me. There's then there's and I think part of it, you know, Lupe, you and I talked about this. It's probably also because there's not enough of him. And I think we knew that going in. That was we weren't going to have enough of him. Um, so I think that's part of the problem, too. I think I was left wanting a little bit more of Clark and I'll end it off with Flash. And, and you know, Brandon's right. It's not because I hated him. And there's so much here to like, especially with the speed force. They toned down some of his quips, and he's still the most inexperienced member. So in a way, he's really like the three of us 
experiencing mm-hmm. the Justice League if one of us got like superpowers, right? And we were with these badasses, these these legends. So it's really like one of us on the outside looking in. Um, but you know, because he's the least experienced, or because he's the most kiddie like, that's the only reason I have him as my my least if I had to rank him. But that doesn't mean I hate him. I actually really enjoyed him in this, and I liked him a little bit better than the theatrical version too. So there's my rankings of the main Justice League team. All right, cool. Yeah, for me, um, my favorite was Superman. The my second favorite, surpri- which surprised me actually, was was Batman, and then um, Cyborg and Flash. Pretty much on the level, or wait, let let me let me let me readjust that. So <laughs> after watching the second time, I think it was Superman. Then I I like to say Cyborg, then Batman, then Flash, then Wonder Woman, then Aquaman. And the reasons why are one for Superman. I agree, he was in the movie probably only about. 20% of the movie, something like that. But I felt like when he wasn't around, we felt they did a good job of of making us feel his absence, making us feel that he was needed and that, you know, if he was around, he would have made a difference, making us feel his absence through Batman's, you know, mission. And Batman's regained faith and, you know, striving to be better and and do something that makes a difference in a positive way Um, through, you know, Lois Lane visiting uh, his monument every day um, through also seeing how Martha misses Clark. Um, So there were many ways in which we felt his absence um, when he wasn't around. It was it was it was impressionable. Then when he was around, it was just super powerful, and he comes into the fray like a ray of sunshine, but also like a bolt of of lightning and just a thunder strike. Um, as you said, his his scene with uh, Lois in the cornfield on the farmhouse had me moved to tears um i think it's a culmination of a journey that started man of steel through through batman v superman and then to man of to uh justice league so for me i don't see his you know his screen time as just screen time in justice league I bring all that backstory into it, and so it gives it a lot more weight and a lot more, you know, depth and breadth than, than um, if it was just this movie, you know. So if it was just this movie alone, we'd never seen anything else, and then Superman comes in just at the end, I would have had an issue with, with it. But we have to remember that this is a saga, and he's had an entire solo movie. He's had, you know, been the, the co-star in another one. So I was perfectly with the, okay with that. In terms of how he comes back, I actually really liked it. It could be done differently. It could be done just like it was done in the comic books. Um, but in this one, it actually did make a lot of sense to use the technology that was available um, as a way to to bring him back. And that was very intriguing. You know, um, it would have been very easy to just use the exact same thing, you know, from the comics. Um, I really loved his black suits. I loved the way it looked. Um, the fact that it's a different look. Um, just gives a more dynamic 
you know, edge to the story. For example, when we think of the black suit, we always think of death of Superman and that time in the the saga of Superman as a hero over 80, 80 years. And I think that this black suit is also going to do the same for a lot of people. When you think of the movies and think of the black suit, they're going to think of him dying and returning in Justice League. Um, in terms of the black suit having regenerated properties, they didn't explicitly show that, but they did also show it. But it was also quite symbolic and a very beautiful shot where, you know, he floats up into the upper, you know, bands of, of the of the atmosphere and he just stretches his arms out and he's just taking in the sun's rays. Um, so it's not explicitly stated that, oh, yes, the black suit is regenerative and helps him absorb more uh, sun rays. But, you know, you see it and it's very beautiful and very subtle, which are some of the things that I really like about, you know, filmmaking in general when things are, are sometimes they can be done explicitly. I have no problem with that. But also when it's done in that way, it was just it was at the same time symbolic in terms of, you know, the Christ figure, messianic, um, you know, this protector of the earth being, you know, being over the world and, you know, and then also his his association to the sun as Apollo, a sun god, and then the black the black suit absorbing sun's rays. So all of that, it just it works. And then he comes back and he's a super badass. And you know, I just have so many amazing things to say about that. Um, but maybe when we get further on, we can talk of specific scenes. And then um, Cyborg watching it the second time. I picked up on a lot more nuances. Um, Ray Fisher gives a nuanced performance that the more you watch it, the more you see. So there's something in particular he does, and I would implore anyone who's listened to this, the next time you watch it, pay, no pay note to this. He does a lot of physical body acting. And what I mean by that is, so there are scenes, especially the one where he's talking to Diana one-on-one when she's trying to recruit him and he's a bit hunched over and he's moving in a very deformed kind of man. It's almost like he's Quasimodo um, and he's, you know, gesturing and gesticulating and motioning to her to, to observe this deformed, ugly monstrosity of a body that he's forced to to inhabit and you can see just the way he walks his posture you know it's not heroic with his chest out and you know arms to his side it's hunched over and almost crippled and mangled and those are nuances that i was able to pick up and be like wow this guy this guy's acting acting he's not just acting he's acting acting and then one of the best scenes, and I think this scene, once people have more time to take it in, is going to be talked about for years. People talk about Dr. Manhattan's um, intro slash origin in Watchmen and how beautiful that, that is. That vignette that just plays so beautifully. Zack Snyder does the same thing, you know, in Justice League with Cyborg. And it's like an intro it's, it tells about his powers, his tragic backstory, um, and it's set to this beautiful, haunting score. Uh, 
by by Junkie XL, who did an amazing job. And you know, it's narrated by Joe Martin, Joe Martin, the actor who plays Dr. Silas Stone, who is this, you know, very silky and, and commanding voice. And, you know, he's he's telling, you know, Cyborg that, you know, in the world of ones and zeros, you are like an absolute god. Uh, you know, just a thought from your mind can launch the entire world's nuclear you know arsenal our fate is literally in your hands you know what's going to be your 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 legacy is not the things you do with your power but the fact that you will have to choose not to do things that's how powerful you are um it was just it's breathtaking and then you also travel to this sort of emotional little vignette of this lady who's struggling to take care of the kids and pay bills and cyborg has the ability to 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 manipulate and influence you know uh, the digital world of, of currency and, and and foreign exchange and our financial markets and he's able to you know give her like a hundred thousand dollars just because he wanted to breathtaking these are some of the things that make his emotional arc at the end of the movie so powerful um i didn't think that he had the best action beats in terms of like badass action and doing these crazy action stunts and and choreography was it was okay it was your typical shooting uh robot but the emotional <laughs> core and the acting performance is just it's 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 some of the best stuff i've ever seen in any comic book movie <clears throat> then we have batman um, who I, I really appreciated what he was, what he was doing in terms of his his place on the team as as a leader um, and a strategist. Um, and then I also appreciated, you know, the theme of faith. This is someone who was faithless in Batman v Superman, and was persecuting, you know, the 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 hero and the savior figure. And then he has his road to Damascus moment and he turns around and now he's a disciple who is trying to build the church of the Messiah, so to speak. So there are a lot of parallels. Um, and in the coming uh, weeks and months, we'll be doing a bunch of video essays, really breaking this down thematically bit by bit. Um, there's a lot more going on in this in this film than meets the eye, although it does have a, a facade of a very accessible um, blockbuster. Um, Ezra Miller's Flash also has a very powerful <clears throat> character arc. Um, one of the more rewarding ones in the movie. Really love um, Junkie XL's score. For him, it's one that I've been listening to over and over again on repeat. Um, Wonder Woman, as Brandon said, very well balanced. In one scene, in one scene, not two, one scene, the same scene, she goes from completely obliterating, shattering, destroying bad guys, living them lying in a pool of their own blood to being very tender and kind and gentle. And that's one thing that I've always loved about Wonder Woman. And it's a balance that Patty Jenkins has struggled to has struggled to tackle, you know, the fact that Wonder Woman is the ultimate woman, you know, she can be tough and and aggressive and skilled and a warrior and take no prisoners you know when she's fighting evil and then when she comes you know in the presence of goodness she's gentle and kind and soft and any of us who who have mothers and i mean to say everyone 
knows that your mom will whoop your ass and tear your new one, mm-hmm. but in the same breath, she's your nurturer. And when you're going through tough times, she's the one that has that innate God-given power to to heal you. So I've gone on for a long time. I apologize, but um, there's so much amazing par- uh, character work done in this um, that it was I felt it was appropriate to, to discuss. Aquaman is the one that I, I felt the least for. Um, I didn't feel like he had a very potent emotional journey, but he definitely is good in the film. Um, so, okay, now let's talk about um, villains. And let's talk t- start with the Apocalyptians. Um, coming into the movie, not even, not even coming into the movie. Look, coming into the movie is different because you've seen trailers, you've read stuff, but just thinking of a Justice League movie, how did you want Apocalyptian villains to be portrayed? And then how does that expectation come up against the reality that Zack Snyder delivered to the people? Let's start with Christian, since I know you you you, you probably have very robust thoughts. You know, when you you gotta you gotta take a look with uh, with comic book villains and everything, you have to take some of their costumes aside when you first, you know, read them in the comic books or whatever, like Magneto has a very flamboyant costume and everything like that. You have to kind of take some of that aside and and think about the grandiose nature of what they're trying to portray or what they're trying to do, you know, especially when you, when you look at some of their characters, the background, what they've suffered, things like that. And the thing to remember with the apocalypse, when you're thinking about these beings, like, like Superman in a lot of ways, even though he's an alien, to us, he's a god. Because what he could do and what he his abilities, his, what he could do to change the world, everything, he is a god. So these characters should be godlike. That's what they should be. Now, I understand that can be difficult with CGI and everything like that. So you have to, you know, I know we have to be careful because things could get ultra cartoony and everything. But I think that's what you want to try to stay away from. You want to try to stay away from the cartoonish aspect of it and try to bring more of this fantasy epic style to it instead. And some of the characters, like a la Lord of the Rings, Sauron worked really well to me because he was that eyeball. You know, now we got visions of him in the past, but he worked well because he was that all-seeing eye. And some of the characters, like the mouth of Sauron and everything, really had this almost frightening aspect to him. The orcs and everything, like I said, high fantasy, right? And that's kind of what I wanted to see with, if you're going to talk about these gods, and especially Darkseid, they need to be borderline godlike. And especially, man, especially Steppenwolf, bro. He was so cartoonish in the theatrical kind. You know, he's just a cartoonish villain. And that's what I wanted to see here, and I think it delivered. So for me, it delivered. There were, in some ways, I think there were some disappointments because I didn't see enough of that apocalyptic culture, the planet, things like that. I think I wanted to see more of that, and I understand there's probably a plan in place for us to get that, but I didn't see it here. So there's a little bit of a disappointment there. The little bits that we got was what I wanted, what I thought fire, brimstone, a very dark, desolate world. But I like seeing that living culture, too, of the gods, you know? Um, and, and Steppenwolf, and dude, such a step up. And 
you know, Brandon and I sometimes don't see eye to eye on this one. And, and one of the things I've said is I actually like my villains. I want to I want to sometimes feel a little bit for them because I, I want that little bit of a connection. It hurts more when either they lose or it hurts more when I agree with them. And I'm like, oh, my God, why am I agreeing with this person? What the hell's wrong with me? <laughs> you know, I start questioning if I'm an asshole. Um, but there were moments in this where it was like my wife said a couple of times, she was like, oh, like like Stephen was kind of reminding me of a puppy dog. I'm like, yeah, yeah he kind of is like I. He's a god, but I liked the fact that I got like this emotion from him. He's trying to prove something. He's trying to come back from where he was before. So there is this whole culture that's behind it. And in some ways, maybe not a culture that sometimes is all that different than ours. Mm. Um, you know, so I, I really I appreciated all that. So I'll end it with saying that my expectations were basically met on the big screen. I did not want to see dark side purple and blue. I didn't want to see that. That That's mm-hmm. not going to make sense. I'm sorry. Not in the world that he built. The what we got to me made sense in the world that the, that you built, you know. And you go back to like the Fox X Men movies. If if Magneto suddenly walked in wearing red spandex and purple, you know, underwear, that ain't gonna work in that world. What he wore absolutely made sense in that world, and I agree with that. This world that Zach was building up, these gods, I think it made sense. And man, Steppenwolf, we can talk about more of this later. But what a step up! Mm. What a step up! Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, so. Brandon, what was your expectation, and what did, and uh, how did that come up against what you got? Well, I mean, as Christian said, he was just Steppenwolf was just a joke in the <laughs> in the theatrical version, and he was even substituted in for Darkseid in the history lesson. It was just right. it was just kind of all silly that that they spent the extra time and money to to completely remove uh, anything but one word of the of the name. Uh, in Dark Side from the theatrical version, uh, Zach does great villains. Uh, th- th- it's no surprise they always have presence uh, from Xerxes to uh, to uh, obviously Zod, Luther. Uh, you, like Christian said in in our one of our previous podcasts, he may not have liked the way that uh, that Eisenberg portrayed him, but it was well written and everything was Luther. Right. Uh, the villain right. itself was great. He just didn't like the performance. I loved it. Um, Steppenwolf is is a drastic improvement, and mm-hmm. is he's terrifying. He's absolutely brutal, uh, and Steppenwolf is is somewhat sympathetic. I mean, he's still a destroyer, but you see that there's that you know they have problems. He's not just some mindless monster just doing stuff. Um, he has goals, and whether they're for evil or not, you do have a, a touch of sympathy for him. Um, I don't need sympathy for Darkseid. I, I need to be <laughs> – there is there is no help, no getting to him. There is no stopping him. Mm-hmm. He just wants to watch the world burn, and I think we got a, a grasp of that as well. Um, so, I mean, I just – I couldn't imagine Steppenwolf being so much better. When we started this journey, I didn't think that we would get – the the scary Steppenwolf back. Mm. Uh, I thought we would just have a massively better version of Grandpa Steppenwolf, and that would have even been an improvement. Even that same character model with with everything in this movie would have been an improvement. But just his presence in this, the how big he is, and then the the living armor, it was just so above and beyond what I expected to get out of it. And then on top of that, you add uh, Uxus, you add Desaad, and you add full-grown Darkseid. And it's just, 
it doesn't get any better than that. And the the outside villains on Apocalypse are in it just enough to to really sell the idea that Earth might be fucked. Uh, even though we win at the end of this movie, there's it's going to get worse. You know, Brandon, you um, hit something, by the way. How awesome is it to see Uxus, if you want, we want to call him that, instead of Steppenwolf and uh, at that beginning part? And mm-hmm. then it takes everyone. To, now, he does get defeated, and it's one of his only defeats, and he backs off. But it takes everyone, everyone. to do it. Uh, it. Just an incredible moment. It makes so much more sense, especially just the fan of this stuff, to have him there instead of Steppenwolf. Uh, what, that's just great i don't know what else to say that is that was a dream come true to watch that uh, that's worth the price of admission i want more uh, just give me a dark side movie i want a fucking dark side movie at this point <laughs> that's like that's what i want sorry yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you man i'm sorry no no yeah i mean you just uh, you nailed it. it it was just so much better to see everything in the proper context and even to see the the heroes that we already know the ancient heroes and seeing the amazons that we already recognize and them actually get focused and that history lesson was great. Everything about that history lesson was was drastically better. Um, and again, even though it ended in victory, there was still a level of fear that he escaped, and he's you know he spent five thousand years conquering a hundred thousand worlds trying to find us again, and he's going to be pissed when he gets here. Yeah, um, I, 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 I'm with, I'm with y'all. Um, Whatever any expectations anyone has of this, this tops it. And what Zack Snyder is able to do, and people need to start giving this guy credit, is that he's able to take things that are comic book lore, that are, because he's a huge fan of it, and then he's able to put his own personal take on it, but they are still recognizable. They're still, at their core, that iconic thing. If you have any knowledge of the history of what Jack Kirby's new gods are, they were not meant to be... People always like to quote and say, oh, it's colorful and it's this. That's just one aspect. But in a time when they were made, this was the, 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 the 70s, the early 70s, and... In that time, that's when we had Silver Age. The, the, the type of comics that we were seeing in relation to what the new gods were was just like night and day. We're talking about him creating something that was so, in, in his day, mm-hmm. that was so mythical, so existential, so adult, so mature. It was just something completely mind-blowing and different, talking about things like the source and... You know, a, a villain is called Dark Side and High Father, and you know the Black Racer and Kalibak, and having uh, generational curses and having pacts between warring worlds, and it's just like what I'm saying to you sounds like Lord of the Rings, sounds like Game of Thrones. You very know? high fantasy. Very very, very high, high fantasy stuff. So, when I see people, you know, who come with this hater attitude that, oh, you know, Zack Snyder is just trying to, you know, he doesn't like, you know, the goofiness and silliness of comic book movies like he's, he's ashamed of. It's like, you are so ignorant about what you're talking about that you think you know more 
than people who are actually knowledgeable. It's so frustrating and so ironic. And Zack Snyder is able to take those high fantasy elements and and just blow it out in this. And watching it again, I was picking up on so many things. As I was saying to to Christian in another discussion, the new gods feel like gods. They don't feel like aliens. They don't feel like different beings or whatever, higher-powered beings or more technologically advanced beings. They feel like gods, and there are a lot of things he does. He makes them seem like a religious society. So think about it this way. So one thing I noticed, you know, in my, sec- in my second watch, which is something I've known, but it just really nailed, got nailed home with that. The Amazons, they feel like a very militaristic warrior society. Every single thing that they do is regimented. When they walk into a building, they're walking rank and file, step by step. There is a very um, apparent tiered hierarchy. People are not asking questions or giving suggestions. Nobody wants to hear your shit, you know? Um, But that just feeds into the fact that they're a warrior, militaristic society. With the Apocalypseans, the way he was able to, to make that, really nail the tone of their societies to make them very religious. Also, the dialogue is very Shakespearean and almost biblical and old. They're saying a lot of thou, you know, a lot of thee, a lot of shall. Uh, they're, they're, they're making statements and saying in his name, to his glory, you know. Um, when Steppenwolf calls Desaad, he, he, he calls him like spring, Desaad, Desaad, you know, like like people will call on, on God or call on their deities. Um, the the communication device they have is a monolith, like a re, like a religious monolith, like a like a, a stab a stab a slab, you know, from Stonehenge or something like that, you know. And they're kneeling and they're they're at altars and they're kneeling to each other. And when um, in the scene where Steppenwolf finally gets to speak to Darkseid, um, Desaad actually begins to 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 pray in latin almost like he's 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 invoking some sort of incantation or some right it's like he's summoning him it's so like like it's weird man (laughs) so freaking creepy but that's how you 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 know layer all these elements to bring this different feel and zex now just absolutely absolutely blew it the like, world feels alive. The The technology feels similar to Kryptonian, but Kryptonian technology is more elegant because it was a more elegant race. Mm-hmm. Everything with Darkseid is going to be brutalistic. Much so better. even the, mo- the monolith being the communication device is designed to instill fear. It's meant to, to cause anxiety. It's meant to, to be scary because that's what he wants. Yeah, and that's everything what is lava. Everything's hot. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the floor is lava. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, uh, I love that the, the technologies are similar to Kryptonian technology, but the society dictates the, the difference in its implementation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's brutalistic because Apocalypse is brutal and Darkseid is brutal. Mm-hmm. Kryptonian, Kryptonians were more elegant. They were the, the heroes of the galaxy. That's what everybody looked up to. So mm-hmm. their liquid fluid technology looked more graceful. 
And I, I like the, there's a distinction that a lot of this technology is the same, mm-hmm. but meant to cater to, to the user. Um, and that's, that's what I love is that it, it does make the, the world feel lived in. It feels more realistic. It's not just a hologram. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you know I would never pretend to to be a, a snack a Zack Snyder expert. I would never pretend to be that. But what he strikes me as a filmmaker that seems to understand the mythological side of these characters, especially for DC, because DC is so much more mythological than Marvel's, much more galactic, much more cosmic. And of course, there's cosmic elements in the DC universe. But the MCU decided to go that galactic route. They decided to go mm-hmm. that you know kind of space opera ish Star yeah, Wars yeah, kind of. No, I said yeah. that. Actually, like I, the the Russos, you know, made a con- congratulatory post to Zack mm-hmm. Snyder and said they were going to watch. And, I, and my my statement under there was theirs was like, "You're going to enjoy this." If yeah. if War and Endgame are space operas, which they are, Zack Snyder's Justice League is a high fancy epic. And it's and it, it, you can tell that he understands that. That's the direction he wanted to go. And a lot of DC writers and, and the character creators liked that direction. That, that was how they saw those characters. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I liked about the villains. The villains really did have that villainous, if you want to call them villains, antagonists, whatever. But that, that apocalyptic world had that mythological kind of feeling to it. I want to see more of that society. I do want to see more. So maybe it did its purpose. It, it might have had its purpose because it, it left me wanting more. But there is that like mythological feel to it, and it ties into what both of you were saying about high fantasy. And it's just uh, that that that's probably the part of the movie that I actually wanted more of. Mm-hmm. If you could give me another hour of that, I probably would have taken another hour of that. <laughs> yeah. like, honestly, it's it's one of the biggest reasons you know why I'm pining. I'm absolutely pining for for Justice League Part Two. I can't I can't wait to to see more of these characters also there's something that a lot of people didn't notice and i'm gonna ask zach about this (laughs) steppenwolf is one of dark side's conquerors desad actually said it in a line of dialogue um where he was you know step like desad was such a hater oh my god (laughs) the biggest (laughs) hater on the block like this guy was just bullying Steppenwolf the whole time. Oh yes, the great Steppenwolf. Like dude. he just lives to beat him down, bro. Like that's and, and the dude was there saying, "I'm sorry." Like I know, I know, I messed up. It was like you still have fifty thousand worlds. You still suck. <laughs> you still suck. <laughs> you know. Um, and, and so I'm very, very curious to see who the other. You know, conquerors of worlds um, that that Desad has out there in the multiverse, and also that's that's another thing people need to remember. Like, there's so much lore going on here. If you don't know the comics, will go over your head, which is fine. You can enjoy this without even knowing the lore. The fact that um, Steppenwolf says he, he mentions that the multiverse. People need to know that Apocalypse is not in the same universe as Earth. However, it also is not even in any multiverse. It is just in a pocket like dimension. Like it's like there's think about if we have an in- infinite, you know, layers of multiverse and just think that someone was able to make a small pocket space and and exist there. That's where apocalypse and new genesis are. Um so when people think about well, how was dark side able to lose earth? People it's because you know we're human beings, so we only think of planet Earth as this as this massive place. In our galaxy, our galaxy is 
has as many stars and planets as sand on a beach. Just one our speck galaxy. of dust in the Milky Way. And dust. It's and that's one galaxy. Exactly. <laughs> and and then the galaxy in in the universe is like another speck of dust <laughs> in another beach. So it's it's your your mind literally cannot comprehend how insignificant and tiny you are and the fact that yes if there is someone who has access to different multiverses and the entire universe to scour and just conquer and you know eternally they can get rid get loose a grain of sand that's a grain of sand on a beach you know so um, those are those are just these amazing you know world building elements that we're going to get to discuss and think about and and we can expand our minds and have fun with as 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 time goes on um i'm really glad that we're all able to to enjoy the villains and the 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 vfx work it's just breathtaking like watching again dark side just looks so freaking fantastic so good so good and um one thing that people also if you do it a second watch realize we got three versions of dark side we got Uxus, we got Dark Side when he when he gains the throne, and then we got Anti Life Dark Side. Anti Life Dark Side is Dark Side with the glowing red eyes and smoke coming out of the eyes. And in the Nightmare Vision for Cyborg, that's who we got. We got Anti Life Dark Side. So there's just a lot going on, and we're gonna have discussions. Um, I can't wait. It's gonna be. A- a whole lot a lot of fun um so we've discussed uh villains we 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 talked about about the hater hayden desad um also uh there are a lot of you know side characters and that's what makes this really feel like an epic right like in lord of the rings we're able to gain the hobbits and gandalf you know that we had our fellowship of the ring but we're able to get all these amazing 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 characters even apart from the villains you know people in the world of elves and people in the world of dwarves and and people who come from you know the the realm of men and you know um and also wizards that have history so for our you know side characters including people like queen hippolyta people from the history lesson like zeus and artemis and Ares, um queen atlanta Atlanta, who never shows up but is mentioned, like what what made an impression on you? Or you can just talk in general about that part of of the of the story. Uh, let's start with Brandon. Um, uh, so man, it's, it's just there's so many elements outside of the the core that were greatly expanded on and just improved upon. Uh. It's it's almost kind of like drawing a blank because just everything is better. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you repeat the question? Actually, no, no, no. Just, I'll just, 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 I'm just curious about what you think of the side characters. Who are your favorites? Um, also, you can you can compare the fact that we got so many um, supporting characters to the fact that the way cut out in Justice League. I thought I thought you were you were in a very good you know track right there. Yeah. So. I mean, the the Amazons as a whole, they weren't necessarily neutered in the theatrical version. They were just trimmed down so much that they weren't, they didn't come off very fierce. And in this, 
they absolutely were. They felt like a warrior race. Um, mm. And that, that was just, it, again, a big improvement. Um, Connie Nielsen and uh, Hippolyto were, were great. Uh, and th- there's just so much going on with her. Joe Morton uh, with Silas was, a, a, again, a major improvement. And actually getting to be as, as much as, you know, Cyborg, excuse me, hated his father for what he had done to him and for kind of ignoring him while he was even around, just still kind of became the center of, of Cyborg's healing. And it was so necessary to the story. And you don't get a great actor like Joe Morton to, to do that role and then just cut it all out, unless you're Joss Whedon, apparently. <laughs> um, even even Mara is greatly improved. And, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have to talk about whether people like uh, like her or not. Amber Heard was, was I thought, Im- even improved in this. Uh, the British accent was a little weird at first, but the second viewing, I thought it, it worked out just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's little differences that are, are just kind of crazy when you when you look at it. And in this version, both of her parents died in the wars. And in the Aquaman movie, her dad is still alive. Uh, so there's, there's little things you miss there. But just seeing more of her powers, uh, seeing the, the Atlanteans speak underwater, uh, like underwater life, like dolphins would, I thought was awesome. I wasn't expecting to see that at all, actually. I was really shocked when I saw it. And I think that's cool. And it actually makes the air bubbles with uh, Arthur make more sense because he wouldn't know how to speak that dialect. So they would have to open up an air bubble to speak like humans. Um, and I thought, you know, that was a massive improvement. And then you, you're you adding back in Ryan Choi, who wasn't in it much. Um, he came off a tad cheesy, um, but, I, but I liked that he was there and it, it expanded out the world. Um, and then uh, Martian Manhunter, uh, I wasn't expecting there to be two scenes with him. I was only expecting the one and then, uh, seeing him show up again at the end. He's the, actually kind of the one that oddly enough, uh, I, I kind of think breaks the realism of the world a little bit more for me. Hmm. Um, why he's just he's this big green alien guy mm-hmm. from mars it, it, mm-hmm. it's a little weird at first because i i wasn't raised on martian manhunter i don't know a ton about him other than what i've watched on the cartoons i know a decent amount um but he's not my favorite character but i know he's a good character um he's he kind of seemed the most out of place i kind of would have loved there to be just the one scene of him going from martha to manhunter to swanwick and then just kind of leave it at that um, the the final scene was a replacement that was obviously originally Green Lanterns, uh, but it worked it worked fine, mm-hmm. uh, and it still expands out the world. But we're I think the more we get away from Man of Steel and BVS, the more I, I guess not comic booky, but uh, I guess fantasy it's becoming because Man of Steel and BVS were very very grounded, and Justice League became a little bit more fantasy epic. Uh, which is fine. It just makes sense. You can't go to space with, with gray spacemen shooting lasers out of their eyes uh, without suspending a little bit of belief. But, mm-hmm. um, and then just little cameos, even in the nightmare scene, seeing Kilowog, although dead, he's there. That was that was cool to see. Um, but yeah, it was just the world was greatly expanded with tiny little changes. Uh, 
and I loved pretty much everything that was added there. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, um, Christian, what did you what did you think? Brandon, uh, who were your favorites? No, Brandon made he he made. There are two characters definitely, especially now that I've had an opportunity to watch a couple more scenes again for a second time. But uh, Brandon made a lot of good points. I, I I'm, I'm similar with Martian Manhunter, by the way. I really. I, I totally, you know, I, I totally forgot about that whole storyboard sequence, and it was just such a nice surprise after a really emotional conversation to see that it was him, and it was a beautiful moment between two characters. I was like, that's really, I like that. So I was, it was a genuine surprise after that, and uh, the the ending scene was for me was like very fan servicey, um, but uh, it, it just was like, eh, you, you know, it was kind. Of, I, I didn't really appreciate it, but I understood why it was there. There's the, two the ending or the epilogue. No, no, the I'm sorry, the answer scene with Martian Manhunter, the the last it, scene with him. That's so that's in uh, the epilogue, right? And yeah, it did, right? It was in the epilogue, and it was yeah. very. I just, eh, you know, you and I talked about it in the non-spoiler uh, review. It was kind of, eh, just for me, it didn't really do it. But I understand what's there, and and Brandon made good points about them expanding the universe and what their plans are for the future. It's fine, yeah, but yeah, there's also, two. I mean, the way I look at it is that it's an epilogue, like that's yeah, it's like, an epilogue. Technically, it's not part of the movie. Yeah, it it's, makes sense. Like you have a movie, it's kind of like end credit sequences. Yeah, like you don't judge a Marvel movie on an end credit sequence. You can say, oh, it's not a good end credit sequence, but the actual movie is the content of the movie to the end. Then the end credit sequence is like, you know, like that's why it's called like an epilogue. It's just yeah. You know. I didn't like I said I don't judge the movie on it. It was just kind of I would have been fine with just that one scene with him and that and that reveal has been like just mm-hmm. a beautiful moment. But, you know, like you said, setting it up, we, we get this whole, you know, you, you're going to get more galactic. You're going to get more fantasy. The world is expanding. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. Just not my favorite. But there were two characters. Uh, I'm a sucker for family. I really am. I'm a sucker for family. I'm a sucker for the way it hits you right in the feels. And I, I really liked Brief. Uh, but Karen Bryson's performance as Eleanor Stone, mm. um, the little moments between Victor and his mother, especially right in the accident I, scene. I, not to cut you up, but I had never seen her act before. So I had no idea who she is, what her acting style is. As soon as she opened her, it wasn't even just opened her mouth. Like, she is a good actress. You know what? You know, I'll say this. Um, Brandon, I know, like, you know, because we're closer to, to the production, we've seen behind the scenes pictures, we've seen, like, pictures of her, you know, on social media, and she's, she looks like, she just reminds me of, like, like my mom or an aunt, very humble, you know, kind of person, like, but in her first scene, she's sitting in a chair, <laughs> and her, her aura just fills the entire room. And it, you know, it's a, it's a scene where you know the the dean is supposed to be, you know, like telling her, you know, your son did this, blah blah, and, and she just flips it on him. She's like, "What did you do?" To, like, she's she's powerful, powerful. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I agree with you. She she brings something. She has a draw. She has a charisma. Um, she has a presence in, through through uh, through all of the scenes that she's in, and I. Especially the scene, of course, where it's the two of them and, and Victor starts breaking down a little bit because dad's not there. And it, it just was – I, I just really liked her moments. Again, I'm a sucker for family, so I really, really enjoyed the moments, the few that we got that she was in the movie. And and you and I talked about this the other night, Lupe. The second one I want to mention is, is Billy Crudup as, as Henry Allen. Mm-hmm. Again, another character that's not in it a lot. His parts are framed better here. I think that – you know, he's a bit of a tragic character, um, of course – 
but he he always brings just such a genuine feeling to the roles that he does. He's just a guy. You know what I mean? Like it's hard else to explain it. He always I seems he was very a god. <laughs> <laughs> I am a golden guy. He is a just seems like always a very genuine guy. Things seem very natural. They come very natural to him. And I kind of feel like he could play almost any character, you know? I, he really can. And I, it, he his chemistry I felt with Ezra Miller was there. That's what's important too. Sometimes you get somebody who's playing a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, whatever it is, and they seem very separate. And those characters didn't. There was a lot of chemistry between the two guys. And I think that's really important, you know? And, and we're going to see more, I think, uh, in the Flashpoint movie. I, I just really wanted to point out those two. Again, like I said, I'm a sucker for family. They hit me in the heart. They hit me in the feels. And th- those were two characters that I really wanted to point out. Mm. I, I, I think you, you, you really raised some good ones. I, I, I definitely sort of intersect with you on, on uh, Karen Bryson, who plays Ele- Dr. Eleanor Stone. I have to remember to call her doctor. <laughs> or else, or <laughs> remember else. to call her doctor. Yeah, <laughs> Well, she's, she's not going to have it, and, and she deserves it. Um, yeah, the the Mortons, the entire Morton family is just, I can see, you can see what Ray Fisher fought for. You can see what he fought for. And that battle was worth fighting for. Because, one, for people who have been around for a long time, we all know Jewel Morton is a very good actor. Jewel Morton has famously been obviously Joe Morton and 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 and, and robots <laughs> was Terminator 2 Terminator. obviously yep. and the design for for Cyborg is a little bit inspired it is Zack Snyder's even said it it's 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 an homage also to Jim Cameron's uh uh Terminators um also he was in this uh show called Scandal um that ran on daytime TV. I think it was on ABC um, for some years. Um, he's a powerful actor, powerhouse actor. Um, like he's one of the the, the legends in the game. Um, but a lot of people didn't know about Karen Bryson. And after this movie, a lot of people will know she's not in the movie a lot. And that's why in life, quality is always better than quantity. She's not in the movie a lot, but she's standout. And the fact that Ray Fisher, Karen Bryson, and uh, Joe Morton are playing this little nuclear family, and three of them have just, like, their screen presence. Like, even when Ray Fisher's on the screen with actors who are of more notes and notoriety than him, he commands the entire frame. Like, so just to see three of them and and we all know that you know we're in a time when we're we're pushing for more representation appreciating you know what different people and different subgroups bring to to our entertainment and our media this is important for people to see for people to see the 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 level of craftsmanship and what these people bring to the proceedings they added so much to the story you know as quote unquote support inside characters you know that someone else thought don't matter it doesn't matter if they're here if i'm going to cut something out i should like joss whedon could have made this justice league movie and cut out everybody else's 
outside stuff and just centered it on Ray Fisher and the movie would have been amazing. Imagine if he did that. We wouldn't be here today talking about the Snyder Cut because people would have loved that movie. Everybody has left this movie talking about Ray Fisher. But it's not only Ray Fisher. An actor is only as good as his supporting characters. Don't forget that a lot of the the narration and dialogue that propels his emotional journey forward is done by Joe Morton. A lot of the motivation and his heartbreak and pain comes from the 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 impression that El, that um, Karen Bryson leaves as Eleanor Stone, Doctor Eleanor Stone, and Joe Morton does as Doctor Silas Stone. So those are are some you know supporting characters that I think you know just deserve a lot of a lot of credit. Then um, uh, Connie Nielsen also does as Queen Hippolyta. Um, she really played a, somewhat of a major role, to be sincere. And there's a lot of nuance to her performance because she was in the history lesson as well as, you know, present day. And there is a slight change, you can tell, if you're paying attention to the nuance with which she plays the same character but from different ages. In the history lesson, she's a, she's, she's a younger character. She doesn't look markedly younger, but she acts younger. As a fighter, she's more like Diana, right? A lot more athletic, quick, savage um, on the battlefield. But then when she becomes Queen Hippolyta, she's a lot more reserved, more like a general. Even when she's fighting, she's a lot more focused, uh, wastes less energy. Um, and even her aura as a leader and a, and, a, and a queen mother, you can feel it. And she, she was really the one that sold me on the whole world of the Amazons, you know, being this military leader. Um, and and this, this figure that is both powerful in war and battle and leading troops, but at the same time, she has concern for the, the for her soldiers and has a heart for when they die and really strongly considers when she has to sacrifice them for the greater for the greater mission for the greater purpose just just breathtaking um, I also think Ryan Choi is another one that should be talked about who's another person so when we talk of the path to the Snyder Cut and why people were fighting for it it's for these reasons so many people who put in amazing work had amazing contributions and just set out this beautiful tapestry not just <clears throat> in terms of very interesting characters but also in terms of who they are in terms of their cultural identity and and, and the larger <clears throat> discussions that we're having ran choi is a chinese actor you know we don't get to see a lot of chinese actors in these roles you know and he played such a good role, much more than expected. Then we have Connie Nielsen, who's, you know, a female, powerful actress. And then we have, you know, um, the Stones, who are, you know, black actors. So I'm just so happy that we're able to get a lot from these supporting characters. And um, it, it adds to the tapestry and really makes this feel like a big, you know, widespanning epic. Um, sorry that I went on a lot but i was quite passionate about about yeah, that love, it. love um, it all right so let's talk about specific scenes and we'll start with uh brandon brandon you can pick any scene that you want to discuss um 
and and we'll chime in with you. Uh, just tell us some of your favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, I mean, that's really just it's tough. I mean, the the movie is so packed full of stuff. Yes, it is. Um, the opening, mm-hmm. just setting setting the stage from you know spinning around Doomsday killing Superman and seeing Lois's reaction, seeing the the shockwaves come out, seeing Wonder Woman down on the ground, seeing the shockwaves and seeing, you know, what is happening and, and kind of recognizing to, you know, going into the Kryptonian ship and seeing Lex chatting with, uh, with Steppenwolf and getting, seeing the ping of the first mother box opening. Uh, and then, you know, going all the way into, to Atlantis and that box, it just gives so much context to, to what happened and again in the theatrical version that just none of that was there there was no reason why they woke up and this the the power of the scream opened those those mother boxes and woke them up um i I just i i think that that's probably that's one of my favorites and it's just it's just kind of creepy just seeing the you know superman scream being so loud and so felt around the world Mm-hmm. Uh, to wake up an ancient evil, mm-hmm. uh, to start calling home, and I, I just I'm gonna go with that one. I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good one. I, I think also something that a lot of people uh, need to to note to note is that you know Batman v Superman begins with the end of Man of Steel, right? The battle in Metropolis, tying it directly to to Man of Steel. And Justice League ends with the beginning of, well, I mean, Justice League begins with the end of Batman v Superman, you know, tying it directly to Batman v Superman. So um, these are some of the differences with, you know, Joss Whedon's Justice League, where that was just an excuse to completely sever um, the Snyderverse from all of DC films and, 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 and decapitate it and, and, and completely kill it. Um, but this, you know, builds on what was before and just continues this, this epic journey. And, and um, as Christian always says, like Zack Snyder or not, he had a plan. And a lot of people can <clears throat> appreciate a plan and appreciate a journey. And, Meanwhile, the rest of DC, they just seem to be throwing shit up against the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> All right, uh, Christian, your turn. Any scene, any that you want to talk about, and we will chime in. There's, um, there's three, so I'll try to keep it short because I don't want to go too long. But there, I, I think um, one of the biggest ones for me, and, and, and Brandon talked about this a little bit earlier, was really when... There's so many similarities between Cyborg and 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 Clark, right? You know, it, their father's telling them, like, basically saying to him, you know, like, you have to decide the kind of man you're going to be because it's going to change the world. Look at everything that you can do. And that there's definitely a lot of similarities there. And the scene where you can see kind of like how he sees the world with monetary policy and everything and how he can mm. manipulate money. And he gives the woman and her child the hundred thousand bucks at the ATM and makes that decision. And the type of person that he is going to be the type mm-hmm. of powers that he's choosing to use was such a beautiful moment to me. Um, and it just, and it, it showed those similarities that even if Superman couldn't reawaken, maybe the world's going to be okay. 
You know, mm-hmm. like there are, there are people out there that, you know, what Bruce was trying to do was right. Bring mm-hmm. them together because there are people out there that can still protect. There are people that want to do the right thing. And mm-hmm. from something truly ugly and truly tragic, look what he's able to do. Mm-hmm. So, again, all this shit that was cut from Cyborg is a fucking travesty it, it, because th- that was one. of the, I just love that moment. I thought it was great. Um, I do have to point out something in that moment real quick before yeah. we move on. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned it in our chat, but in that moment, there's uh, you see little scenes of her, you know, struggling, you know, getting mm-hmm. evicted. You see her giving what little she has to a homeless guy on the street. Mm-hmm. Right. He's right. sitting there and he's got a dog next to him. And I'm pretty sure that's a shot taken at Joss Whedon. <laughs> because I think that's the homeless guy from the theatrical cut that says, I try. I try. Yeah, no, but it can't, it can't be. It, that was not a reshoot. So it can't be a shot. Taking it, yeah. That those, I mean, it's the way that it's put together. (laughs) It could be put together from multiple elements easy enough. No, Uh, it could have been adjusted. He could have put a CG dog next to a homeless guy. You want you want it to be, and and we'll let you live with your head cannon. Cannon, I think it is. (laughs) There you go. go. Um, yeah. Um, as as I said before. Christian, like you nailed it. Like a lot of people have been saying, oh, you know, oh, Ray Fisher, oh my God, blah, 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 blah. That that sequence is what sets up the entire emotional arc mm-hmm. that Ray Fisher's character goes goes through. And it is such a beautiful vignette. And I'm telling you, people are going to be talking about it for years. Just like people talk about Dr. Manhattan in in, in Watchmen. You know, his intro slash origin, it's the same thing. And it's so breathtaking. Like, I want to watch it, the movie again just for that sequence. Like, it has this classical, melancholy, slow score. And then his father doing the narration. Um, and it's, 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 it's amazing. It's, uh, it's really, really, really amazing. Yeah, I agree. Like, one of my favorites. I agree with you. I agree. And... The other two scenes I'd mentioned are, are number one would be when Bar. I, look, I, I know some people have have bashed this because of the silliness of it and everything, but when when Barry rescues Iris, that entire oh, sequence, the way like it, I, I've seen a couple I people do. be like, "Oh, it's silly." Like I don't like the way he he's acting when he's going for the job, and I'm like, you know what? Look, that's Barry, man. Mm-hmm. That's that's who he is, and not only that, it showcases the power right there that he has in his possession from the shattering of his shoes, mm-hmm. you know, taking out the, the asphalt as he's trying to stop himself. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he can, you know, that he can stop for a minute, grab the hot dog, you yeah. know, everything like that. I, I, I love those. I love that moment in days of future past with Quicksilver. I love those moments with speedsters. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also shows a little bit more about who Barry is. And we know Iris is supposed to be important for the future. So, it's a moment that I really liked, and and it's still a moment that stands out. Not nearly as emotional as what we just talked about with Cyborg, but technically on a better level. And it's just like, it's it, so it stood out for me. I just I love those moments in movies, um, and I and I really like that little little insight onto who he is and how how inexperienced he truly is uh, in life as well. Just not in only with his powers, but in life, he's truly inexperienced. And the final scene that I would mention, I did say at the beginning that there's a lot about Superman. I didn't like, there's a lot about his return. I didn't like, but when he finally returns again, he's walking through the ship. He hears his father talk. He hears Jarrell talk. He hears Jonathan Kent talk, the different 
the different suits are opening up for him. And he, it, it, it represents that whole journey that he's been on. And you see him in all his glory when the ship opens up. He flies for the first time, and we finally get the return of that damn Man of Steel scene, uh, music, which I was praying for. One of the things that I was really missing with the Danny Elfman score, the Man of Steel theme from Hans Zimmer is so perfect, and it's so it fits that version of the character. It's it's probably not the most emotional scene in the movie, but it's a pump-your-fist-in-the-air movie. It's kind of a fuck-yeah kind of moment, mm-hmm. and comic book movies sometimes need that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes, yeah, Zach's an auteur and, and yet yeah, Zach does things that some people are going to love and some people don't. But I think Zach understands fist pump moments. Yeah, and he, in every that was a fist pump movie. moment, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like people, people fashion, but in every single one of Zach's moments, there's a there's fist pump hero moments. It's just that mm-hmm. people don't like the fact that he also has moments that are downers. Yeah, and he's yeah. not afraid of that, which I which I appreciate him for. Like, it's fine. You know? Yeah, it's fine. But, but that that's why I wanted to mention that scene. That's a that's a fist pumping. He's coming back. I get the triumphant score coming back, and it's like, oh yeah, give it to me. So that was, yeah, again, not nearly as emotional, and and maybe maybe not even technically as good as the speedster scene, but it's just what a fantastic, grandiose. He's coming back, baby, and mm-hmm. it was earned too. So that was another good thing about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so many moments for me. For me, um, you guys have mentioned some of my favorites. Really love super. I've already mentioned Superman. You know, coming back, um, him like the whole stuff from him being on the farm, um, all the way to when he rises up into the upper atmosphere and and bathes in the rays of the sun over the earth. That whole, you know, uh, thing was just so amazing to me. Then also, um, <clears throat> I really love the history lesson. The history lesson, something we haven't talked about. I think that. That was just so amazing, so amazing in that um, just like that big sort of epic Lord of the Rings style battle. I think the cinematography cinematography by Fabian Wagner was incredible. You know, he did a lot of the big battles in the final seasons of Game of Thrones, you know, Battle of the Bastards, um, Hard Home, all those all those epic uh, battles with like dragons and different, you know, uh, houses and and he brought all that power to bear on on the on the history lesson um i loved uh seeing you know the amazons show up the atlanteans the the the, the world of men um there was a, a green lantern in there as well i can't remember what's the the green lantern's name is is one of the older green lanterns um I, I forget the name. I actually know who it is. I'll mention it. I'll mention. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, I, I I know exactly who it is. Um, but um, I just thought that it really added to that high fantasy, um, epic feel, right? Um, I loved how they took on, um, Dark Side. I loved the fact that Zeus was kicking ass. It's one of the, the the more um, more you know exciting surprises for me and you could see what Zack Snyder you could see that that it's a it's a it's an alley right to to a to a potentially powerful um, resolution further down the road this is the old age of heroes you have characters like Zeus like Ares you know like Artemis all 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 representing Superman. Diana, 
you know, Batman, you know. So, you know, and then everybody having to unite. And obviously, you know, if you know how good storytelling goes, that's a that's an alley-oop. So that, you know, in the final battle of the entire series, you have the world coming again with a new age of heroes to echo that emotional beat. And it's going to be powerful. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that was definitely one of my favorites. And the Green Lantern is Yalingur. It's Yalingur, right? Yalingur. Yeah. Yep. Yes, a, a yep. really like super ancient, yep. um, ancient Green Lantern for sec- Sector Two Eight One Four, um, and in the in the comics, I think it's like super 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 old comics, he looks <laughs> he looks funny. He looks funny in the comics. I can't lie. Um, a lot of Green Lanterns look funny in the comics. Oh, yeah, a lot of Green Lanterns look funny. Like he, he looks he looks so funny in the comics. Um, but they they do a good job of 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 um, making him quite cinematic, and he has this kind of like chainmail. And then there's there's something with Zack Snyder's Green Lantern design that I really like, and something that actually was introduced in Jeff Johns' run on Green Lanterns, and something that has been that that visually has now been kept is this sort of like on the especially the the Green Lantern symbol on the chest, mm-hmm. the way the emblem floats. Where there's like a you you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? I know what you're saying. Yeah, and I go ahead, go ahead. Chest, like it's it's like it's mirrored and floats, and there's mm-hmm. a floaty light. It's just it's a subtle thing, but it's it's very like it's it's dope. And Zack Snyder has it has it um, here as well. It was a nice little addition, and and you were talking a couple of minutes ago, Yalen. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he red? And he's got yeah. like scales all over his body, yeah. and his like, mouth like, is like abnormally large. Yeah. <laughs> Weird, weird looking motherfucker. <laughs> Brandon, Google him right now, bro. <laughs> Hilarious. But Which also, one? there's another thing that people might not have noticed. Yalan Gur. His name's Yalan Gur. Sorry. Yes. Good. Y L A N G U R. Um, two two words. Y L A N G U R. Um, yeah. Is that Zack Snyder also had um, Kilowog? Yeah. 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 I actually noticed that on my second watch because the first time I watched it on the screener with early access. So rewinding was was something I only did it in a, on the last last uh, like last option basis, um, and so I noticed I was able to rewind and pause and. It was Kilowog. That was one of those double take moments. Like, what? Whoa! Did he just? I mean, I, and I know it was. It was in the vision, right? It was in the. Yes, the, it was. The vision, yeah, it was. and that was that was one of those like, oh, okay. It was. It was yeah. cool. I mean, again, it's not. Hey, you know what, man? We're opening up the multiverse. All there are all possibilities. There are, <laughs> there are all there. possibilities. All there, and I, I can't. I can't wait to see what Zack Snyder does with with these with these characters. Um, I I also looked closely at the costume to see what Zack Snyder is thinking for the costume. Do you look closely like when next to you and you're 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 you you have it on 4K so you have no problem with that. I was looking to see like what's the what's the costume design and um it looks like there is a I think a Hot Toys for John Stewart's pretty fucking epic. He has like this mm. super cannon that's over his shoulder. It's kind of like the the costume almost has almost like it's chromed out, like a chromed out green and white. That's just it was it was it's interesting, which just gives us an idea of where he's going in the future. I think those those elements are really 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 cool. Um, yeah, I think that's so, one I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to look at twice now. 
I gotta check that out again. Yep. Brandon, did you see? Have you seen Gallinger? Uh, yeah, I, I, I had him pulled up here. Weird looking dude, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some some goofy looking characters, and I, I know some people want ultra comic accuracy. Yeah, this is one he kind of looks like <laughs> yeah, something yeah. from Adult Swim. Yeah, he, he, uh, doesn't, he doesn't need to be. He doesn't need to. Yeah, be. He doesn't need to be accurate. Let's let's let's. Well, I think I think the the way the way Zach was able to to modernize and actually end up to look good, it does. And and I love the fact that they gave him a super close up. Like he rises up into the sky, and the, the camera just zooms in on him slowly. He has his hero moment. Oh, and the DC universe is beautiful. And when it's when it's handled by someone who loves it, that's how you get the Snyder Cut. Okay, so that I think kind of wraps up our discussion about it. But let's just leave talking about something more contextual. Today was the today, you know, was the 18th, it, the day of its its release. Um, so, guys, how did what do you think about its reception? More and more people are beginning to see. Obviously, the first wave were diehards, and you know, people who've said, "Oh, it's just a small group of people who want to see it." You must be crazy. And then slowly, this begins to roll out to more people. So, in your circles, both on social media and in the real world, both on Twitter and whether you're on Instagram, Facebook, could you just? Give us an insight into what you've observed and how that has met your expectations or any commentary or analysis would be very cool. Let's start with um, Christian. And Christian is going to be very interesting because you have a lot of Marvel fan friends. And then when we go to Brandon, it will be very interesting because Brandon can give us more about like Facebook and the real world and that sort of thing. I, I Like I've said a couple of times that... Um... This this has moved from something that was fringe and something that was cultish to more pop culture. Mm. So I've seen you know more and more people that aren't even necessarily interested in a ton of comic book movies. They see some. They're now at this point where it's like I kind of got to watch this, right? So like I got people at work that are like, you know, you're into comic book movies, and what's this all about? And they're asking that question. So it's now moved on from just being something that's in our circles to something that average everyday people, moviegoers, are interested in seeing. Mm. And I've told most people, you gotta give it a shot. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. You know, look, it's got Superman and Batman. Would you just watch the fucking thing, you know, at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you know nothing else, you know those characters, give it a shot, please. Just watch it. And that's that's really interesting. And then, like, members of my family, like my sister and everything, who's also into, you know, superheroes like I am, but still her interest in wanting to see it and wanting to watch it with her husband, my brother-in-law. So that, that I thought was really interesting. The other side of it is like you said, the Marvel fandom. I I'm in a couple of different on Reddit and on Twitter, and I'm in a couple of different decent sized MCU groups and outside of a couple of stragglers, I'm talking like a handful that were pretty much ready to hate it. No matter what the majority of these guys are all into it. They wanted this thing. I think I shared a, a screenshot of one of the guys with you guys today that basically was like, I'm 20 minutes into the movie and it's already better than the hot shit that we got a couple of years ago. <laughs> like these guys are into it. They want to watch it. And one of the things that I think I've said to you guys a couple times, our group, this, maybe I'm a little more of an outlier. Cause I like almost every comic book property. I just want to absorb this stuff. And, and I don't love every one of them, but I want to absorb this shit. Cause I love this stuff so much, but those guys, that, that Marvel fandom, the, the fandom that's more casual, you got to bring them in. If you get the buy-in from those guys, you're golden. You're golden because, you know, they already got their epic, man. They got Endgame and everything like that. Whatever they get next is like icing on the cake, right? Mm -hmm. But 
a lot of those guys are looking for okay, what's coming out next and everything like that. They don't they, they in their mind even if there was a battle, even if there was this Marvel versus DC battle, whatever. They want it at this point in their minds. They're like, it doesn't matter. I already got what I wanted. I got 12 years worth of whatever, right? So a lot of those guys that I'm talking with right now, I can see them turning and being like, yeah, dude, this movie was good. I I told a bunch of them that I got a chance to watch it. And they were like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I was like, ah, you got to watch it yourself, man. But I'm telling you, it was good. And they're agreeing. So that's one of the big keys that I'm seeing right now. My comic book groups, dude, we're excited. Next weekend, we're planning a watch party. We're going to break it into a couple parts. So that, you know, maybe they're not all going to love it. And I'll close and give it to Brandon on this. Me, these guys might not all love it. And I'm already mm-hmm. hearing back from them. They're, they have some of the same complaints than I do. Mm-hmm. But they like it. That's the key. They like it. So the conversation is starting to change. Get them on board. Get them to share the hashtags. Get them to talk online about how much they liked it. And you guys got a shot of the Snyderverse continuing. Mm. You have to. Awesome. So, awesome. yeah, a lot of positivity out there. All right. Um, Brandon, what about you? And you did share uh, some um, texts, you know, with with us as well. What 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 has been the reaction to you? It's I mean, it's been really surprising because generally as a Snyder fan, you expect a movie to come out and you expect to have to fight for it. Yeah. Uh, And even before when when the the early screenings started to happen with press, there was just a difference going on about it. It's it's what we you wanted to to expect when Batman versus Superman came out, but then it rolled out with a twenty seven percent Rotten Tomato. The the whole, the whole story was about how terrible it was, and mm-hmm. you know how it, it's all messed up, and Warner Brothers needs to stop this and stop that. It was pretty immediate that something was different on this. Um, and it's just shocking how how many people have finally said, "Wow, like this this was really good." And you know, obviously, the it was almost always going to be, "This is better than the theatrical." Why didn't this happen? Mm-hmm. But it was. I, I mean, I've seen people that were not expecting to like it to come out and say, "This might be one of the best DC movies ever made." Uh, mm. And I wasn't expecting that at all. I was expecting it to to think that myself, maybe. Uh, but there's people out there that I, I was not expecting to see that from, and it's all there, and everybody is talking about it. Justin Bieber tweeted about it earlier. Like, <laughs> the dude's got 100 million followers. Now now all the, the Bieber fever people are going to want to go watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel we're in a different place than we were, and I, I do feel, you know, while there might be a little bit of fight because there's going to be some stubborn people at the studio – I feel like our work is is almost in a way done. Like these people are going to start clamoring for it. People who didn't think they were going to like the movie are now saying, "Restore the Snyderverse." Like you guys are dumb if you don't continue this. Look mm. at this hype. DC hasn't had hype like this in years, maybe since BVS. Um, mm-hmm. It's all just kind of been, well, let's wait and see. It's like, oh, can this fix it? Is it on the right path? Is this the right direction? This is just unanimous. There is buzz and excitement from every direction. Uh, it was it's completely surprising, and it's it's awesome to see that finally people are getting that. Uh, and even people are you know going back. Okay, I decided to go back and watch BVS, and I kind of like it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. it. It feels good. It feels like the fight was was not just for me to get a movie, not just for Zach to 
to complete his artistic vision, but for people to to join us in the sun and, and really yeah. see what we loved about these movies and why we fell in love with these versions of the characters. You know, and some of the guys that are in like my MCU fandoms and stuff are like they're they they they're acting a little differently too than they were. Like one of the things that you guys always told me was like you know the the beatdown, and I saw it too. I saw the beatdown of there's one way to make a movie, there's one way to make a comic book movie, and that's the way it should always be made, and that's what everybody should get. So all the X Men movies should be made that way, and every DC movie should be made that way, and everything like that. And these guys are very happy with what's happening with the MCU. They're excited about Wandavision. They're really happy. They're really looking forward to Falcon Winter Soldier. But I'm seeing that same level of excitement for this movie. So I'm seeing that that thirst, if you want, if that's what you want to call it, for this other type of comic book movie. And the, the last time I saw that was Logan or mm. and Deadpool. That was the last time I saw that. And we saw how popular those two movies were, right? Mm-hmm. So there's and, – and, and streaming gives you that. Like we have no idea what's going to happen to the theatrical experience moving forward. We hope it's going to come back, and I think it does to a point. But mm-hmm. – Man, direct to consumer, and you know what HBO is capable of in terms of how things look, the prestige properties that they can throw out there. What if? Would you guys be disappointed if the Snyderverse lives on HBO Max? I know my groups would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. They, they would be fine with that. I'll I be. Mean, I'll be totally fine with it. Yep, I'd be fine with it. See, and and, and what if that drives subscriptions? You know they'll throw money at it, man. Mm-hmm. You know it. They'll throw mm-hmm. money at it. So. Mm-hmm. And you don't need the three hundred million dollar budget to market it, do you? So, no, you yeah, just yeah. a thought. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, for me, I, it's just been it's been super exciting just seeing how hotly anticipated it's been. HBO Go Asia crashed. HBO Max crashed. <laughs> That's you guys right. have. Did you guys right. try to watch it immediately? It was available, or did you wait? I, I waited because I was watching it like in between work. Okay. And stuff. So yeah, so it was a little bit later. I didn't really experience the crash. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I started at about ten o'clock this morning. So okay, so you were you were past that. Yeah. So HBO HBO Max had a crash. Um, other sites that were hosting it were what? So the the demand for it was very serious, and that demand is just from the core fans who had been waiting for it. And as so, I went on Facebook, and already I've seen people saying, "I heard it's good." I've seen more people saying, oh, watching this now. It's actually good. Watching this now. It's actually good. Watching this. Oh, this is so much better than the 2017 stuff. And people in their comments like, I heard it's good. I'm going to check it out this weekend. I heard it's good. Should I check it out? You know, that sort of thing. So the word of mouth is real. I'm telling you, the word of mouth is 100% real. And this movie is going to catch fire. And this movie is going to do well. Because as Brandon and I discussed in our you know robust non-spoiler discussion Zack Snyder does something incredible with this movie he does not sell out on who he is as an artist but he's still able to make one of his more accessible you know to all audiences blockbusters and it's going to shed a different light on who he is as a filmmaker and I think it's going to bring some people more not completely but moreover to even his more niche um, work. Um, and, and I think that that's just, that's brilliant. But I, I'm, I'm really curious to see the reception in the coming days and coming weeks because, you know, now it's, it's the night of the release. So, you know, people who had work in the daytime can get home and, and consume it. Or then on the weekend, there's also going to be people 
who just have more time on the weekend and have slated to, to, to the weekend. So I can't wait to see how it does there. Um, so what? So from this reception, we we we've, we were pretty unanimous in our observation that this is becoming a phenomenon. Um, what do you think this means in terms of the Snyderverse going forward, in terms of HBO Max going forward? Um, I mean, we've heard the official word, um, but how does this reality, you know, come up against, um, you know, those opinions? Let's start with uh, Brandon. Uh, I think that... Based on the reception, you know, again, even just starting with the the quiet reception last week into the official uh, the, the official reviews and and thoughts leaking you know, coming out, and then the fan viewing starting to come out, we're in a, a whole different ball game. Like I said before, I think we're at the point now where. Everybody's looking straight at Warner Brothers and saying it's your guys' move, and you look really stupid if you, if you're not continuing this now. Um, it's not like it was it was at a fifty percent, and people were like, "Yeah, see, it, it was better, but it doesn't need to continue." This is if you ignore this level of hype, this level of interest, this level of love for something that you can make money off of then you should not be in a business position for a company that is trying to make profits. Because mm-hmm. uh, like I said, the, the, there has been no excitement around DC for years. Uh, there's been little bits here and there. You get your fans that like Shazam. You get your fans that like Birds of Prey. But those movies are scratching the bottom trying to make a profit. Mm-hmm. And this movie has just taken everything by storm. And I, it's it'd be silly to think that they don't think that they can carry that forward and just give Zach the keys to the kingdom and say, well, even if you're keeping it separate, like, here you go. Even if his cul-de-sac is is his story and, and stories that he approves around it specifically for HBO Max, if people are excited just for his section, people are going to be excited for other DC projects as well. Mm. Uh, it, it doesn't all have to be connected, but excitement is everything when you're trying to sell a franchise and this is this is their key it hasn't been this exciting in years and i just if somebody in charge is not willing to accept that then they need to be removed and let somebody else that can make that decision make that decision awesome yeah um christian what do you think Very good points raised by Brandon. I would never pretend to know what the hell's going on inside of a Warner Brothers executive's head uh, or <laughs> AT and T. Nobody, right? That's the uh, danger zone. It's like the, the mind of the Joker. <laughs> Pure chaos. Uh, or what's going on inside of you know an HBO executive's or AT and T executive's head. But I do know this. I do know that money makes the world go round. I do know that. Uh, and I do know that it, eventually it's going to come down to raw numbers. That's really what it's going to come down to. Um, Regardless of what we think, it is a bit of a gamble for them to do what they did. Um, whether it's a good gamble, and and you know we, you know the odds were still going to be in their favor because of the amount of fans and because of you know the positivity that could come out of it, still is a gamble. You know, gambling with good odds is still a gamble. 
So it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how what are their metrics? How are they going to measure this? Do they match? Do they measure it in traffic online? Do they measure it in actual bottom line new subscriptions? Are they going to measure it when the IMAX comes out? When the Blu-ray comes out? Things like that. I do believe that that's probably at the end of the day what's going to drive the potential for a Snyderverse moving forward. If they see that demand, then I think that. They're, they're stupid not to. I think they're stupid not to anyway. But And they have the way to do it now. You want to put your foot down. You want to be a stick in the mud, whatever you want to call it. Be stubborn as fuck and say, I'm not going to put these movies into theaters. Fine. You now have the avenue to do it. And you have the avenue where you can release it to a lot of people and still make it look good like it's a high-level type of programming. So And it's a high-level product. And I think Zach would be fine. I don't know him personally, but I think he would be fine living in that world because if you gave him full control and allowed him to do what he wanted to do. So that's where I think this, this comes down to. The possibility, I think, is way better now than it was some time ago. I think those odds have absolutely increased that something can happen. I'm just on a personal level, and I'm not as connected to it. So I'm just seeing how I read it and trying to think about it from Wall Street slash business, you know, Main Street type of thing. I don't know if it's there quite yet, but you're such in better shape than you were before. Now you got to do the next step. Now you got to get people to sign up for HBO. Now you got to buy the Blu-ray. If it comes out in theaters, it goes to IMAX. You got to watch it in IMAX. That's the next key. Show that there is demand for this type of product, and I think there is. I really do think there is because people do want to see something a little bit different. And, mm -hmm. you know, not only that, the final thing I'll mention, Lupe, I apologize for going a little long. No, no, one no. thing, uh, one thing about this movie I did notice is to me, this is just a personal level. I found it to be a little bit of a step back from Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, but still very good. And one of the things I, I even though it's four hours, there's a lot of parts of this movie that are very accessible to mm -hmm. some of the more casual fans and some of the Marvel fans out there. And, you, you know, Zach, Zach can do that. So he made a movie that is his, that is his movie, his vision, but was still fairly accessible in a lot of ways. So why does it have to be one or the other? Why does it have to be either or? Why does it have to be so tribal? We do that. We're the ones that do that. And, and we've just accomplished, we've actually just grown beyond that because I'm seeing the other fandoms. We've, we all just talked about the positivity that we're seeing here. So I do believe the demand is there and it can be met. Now, now we got to do the next step. It's on us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, for for me, we've we've heard Zach and Deborah Snyder, uh, his his producer and life partner, um, talk about how it seems like the studio has no appetite for sequels. Also, a report today came out that you know Zach wanted to use uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern, um, but the studio denied him access to to that character saying that they wanted to and when they say the studio that's that's a way of you know of um shirking <laughs> responsibilities walter hamada yeah um yeah. and that really upset me you know because it just shows how short sighted they are like after all these years you're still doubting this man after all these these years you're still not giving him carte blanche and creative freedom and you know, for me, I do want Zach to come back. I want this movie to be such a resounding success and such a vote of confidence from the people that they have no no choice but to. But I want him to have carte blanche. I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing, because if Jon Stewart was in this, 
it would have blown people away, blown people away, you know? Um, so I want him to come back, but I want him to come back with carte blanche. I do not want, you know, any of his career decisions being hampered by studio concerns. You want to introduce Jon Stewart? Go ahead and introduce Jon Stewart in another movie, in another universe, with other designs in mind. And um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, 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 really upset at the at the Jon Stewart news. Something we'll tackle more in our next episode of ENN. Um, but I think with the reception of this, I, I like we all predicted, but but we're seeing it. Like we're hearing so many things from so many people from different spheres in life. The critical reception is good. So while we personally don't care about critical reception, the studio cannot use that as a as an excuse not to restore the Snyderverse. The fan reception from DC fans is overwhelmingly positive. The fan reception from even other fandoms, like you're you're not hearing anyone. I've probably seen, I've read probably close to a thousand comments. Honestly, I've just had a lot of fun just scrolling through Twitter and just, you know, taking in all the comments. And I've probably maybe seen one or two from fans that were flat out negative like this is not good then in terms of critics i haven't like taking a look at a lot of critics stuff but the stuff i've seen on twitter maybe one of note and that was um scott mendelson who has personal beef with zach snad so you can't take anything to say seriously but a vendetta there definitely yeah yeah definitely but it is what it is it still counts um and so yeah the, the the response has been overwhelming and if you think about it these people, they greenlit Wonder Woman 1984. And Wonder Woman 1984, it was hotly anticipated. And a lot of people did watch it, make no doubt about it. But it did not have anywhere near these levels of hype. Did not have anywhere near these levels of positive. As a matter of fact, people went to town on Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman 84. It was roundly rejected. Um, so while as... Christian said, I'm never going to claim that Warner Brothers executives are a rational thinking person, as we say in economics. Um, they're, pretty, they're, pretty, I, they're pretty much like the Joker. Um, you have no idea what's going on in their crazy mind. Um, there are no excuses. And where we go from here is going to be up to, to, to the face. But I think in terms of restoring the Snyderverse, now it's not just going to be Hardcore Snyder fans, quotes unquote, everybody's going to be on their neck. Everybody. And it's going to be so much fun to see where we go from here. So that's our spoiler discussion. Um, really enjoyed that. Uh, guys, um, any final thoughts before going out? You give us, give us your final scores. Final score, rating, whether you went to a percentage grade, go for it, stars, out of 10, out of 5. Christian, let's start with you. I think I'm sticking with what you and I said the other day, and this is not an insult to the movie in any way, so don't take it that way. It's a high push in an eight. It's a high okay. push in an eight, eight to, on a scale of ten. And, and okay. the only reason it loses two stars for me is just because of the few things that I didn't like. But, uh, man, stream this damn thing. Absorb it. Watch it. There yeah. you go. Okay. All right. So I, I will go ahead and say it's an eight out of ten. For <laughs> I know you don't – you're like, ah, I want to give it an eight, but I have to – Yeah. I'm like, I will, right I will, there. I know. <laughs> 
I will push you over the edge and I'll give it an A because I also was moving down a bit. And I think it's 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 okay to be optimistic on things in life. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll do that for you and, and you can quote me and be like, I didn't say he said it. <laughs> in the future when you, when you change your mind and you're like, nah, it's actually like a two out of 10. Um, no, but, um, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, Brandon, what's your, your rating for Zack Snyder's Justice League? And it would be also interesting to, to hear where you have it, what your ratings are for like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman so we get some, some contextualization. So I was actually going to go, instead of giving it a, a numbered score, I was just going to rate it a, a, amongst the trilogy. And it still drops into third place for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but not because it's bad by any means. But Man of Steel and BVS are pretty damn close to perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're about as close as you can get to a 10 without just a couple of little gripes here or there, but nothing major. Um, but I've I've lived with those movies so long. I can't put this above it, even with the, you know, like owning something new, shooting to the top of the list. It's still my third place. Um, I think this is uh, much more crowd pleasing. Mm. Uh, but I love the the I actually love the divisiveness of BVS. It, it's part of the allure to me. Mm-hmm. I still put BVS as my number one, uh, with Man of Steel very 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 close second. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zack Snyder's Justice League being a, a pretty cool. close third. Um, nice. I'd say all of them are going to be over a nine if I had to give them a number. Uh-huh. Um, but that's the way that I want to rate them. Okay. All right. For me, um, it will be, to be sincere, after watching it a second time, I'm tempted to to to, to say it's on a, there all three of them are on an equal level. And I do that, like I have comic book movies that I say like they're all like the best, but I wouldn't to be sincere because I do think that, you know, uh, The Dark Knight and Watchmen and Unbreakable are are on the same level as Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. It's perfect comic book movies. But then I would hesitate to, or would I? You know what? Let's do it. (laughs) Justice League is a 10 out of 10. Wow, yeah, just the ten out of ten, and I have I I don't I don't think it is flawless or perfect, but it's a ten out of ten. Think of it in this way: for example, you know we have people that you know we're in love with, or people we've been in love with, and you think, oh, this woman, she is perfect for me, but we know in reality she is not perfect. Um, so it's that way. There are things that I might change about it, and those will have to do with tastes. There may be some, maybe one or two, you know, shots where the VFX could be better. But it's the same thing in all of my favorite movies. For example, like The Dark Knight, the action is not good. The, not the spectacle action, but the hand-to-hand combat of Batman is not good. Um, there's there's yeah, some... No one's got a problem with that, man. Yeah, like, but nobody has a problem with that. It's not, it's not perfect. You know, but it's no, no. I mean, I, I meant to say, if I said, I'm sorry, if I came across, Nolan has an issue with that in the Batman trilogy, in his oh, Dark Knight trilogy. trilogy. Yeah, general, his general, hand-to-hand yeah. action action is bad. Actually, yeah, no, but Esprit Rises is really bad. It <laughs> rises <laughs> it's, is yeah. really bad, but it doesn't have to be spotless and perfect for it to be a masterpiece and still mm-hmm. be, you know, like a ten out of ten. So for me, 
when I think of like a dramatic kind of superhero movie, you know, you have like Dark Knight, Batman v Superman, um, Unbreakable, Watchmen had some. This is so when I think of like an ensemble, ensemble superhero movie, like a team up with all these fantastical elements. When I think of the best in the entire genre, um, I'd say it's 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 Justice League. Yes, it is. It like sorry, like I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to think of reasons not to make it a ten out of ten right now. In terms, in case anyone is thinking, oh, you know, you're just a shill or something like that. <laughs> I'm actually trying to think of the only reason that I can think of is, oh, in the future you'll regret it because what if another movie comes around and the movie is better? Um, and my response to that would be that if I feel like another movie comes around and is better, then I'll just move this down a little bit and move that to the top. There's no my 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 opinion is not set in stone um for example i always thought the dark knight was the best thing ever nothing would top it and man of steel came out and man of steel is different but man of steel is also great so you know that's that's you know a long way of saying yes actually man of steel equals to batman v superman equals to justice league they're just all different kinds of kinds of movies um Sometimes wow. it matters, like what, like what's a movie mean to you? You know, like you, you and I were talking DC movies the other day, and my my favorite, my number one is is Dark Knight, but it's also my my favorite comic book movie of all time. Mm-hmm. And my second favorite is X Men: Days of Future Past, which is kind mm-hmm. of a bastardization of the Days of Future Past storyline. But mm-hmm. I love everything about that movie. I can't help it. I I just love everything about the flick. So for me, that movie pushes a ten. It's really mm-hmm. flawed. That movie's very mm-hmm. flawed. But for me, it pushes a 10 just because how much I love it. Sometimes that's all that matters. That's exactly, exactly. It's how, how, how it speaks to your expectations. So for me, as I said before we got into this discussion, for me, high fantasy Hollywood epics are in my DNA. Conan the Barbarian, and there's an Easter egg of Dark Side. One of the Dark Side visions is actually posed as Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> so that's in my DNA. So I will always prefer... A, a high fantasy epic style to something that's either more comedic or light-hearted or even like a space opera even though for example i tell a lot of people i have so much respect for endgame on a scale of one to ten endgame and infinity War, i put them together they're an eight for me and sometimes when i think about it i'm like ah oh, it's like actually like 8.5 but never below eight and that's very very high ranking for me um I just move move um, Justice League higher because I feel like it elevates the genre. It does something that is higher than what the genre is, you know? Um, the dialogue between the Apocalypseans, as we're seeing, very Shakespearean, my lord, you know? Dark side saying, I have, I have turned 100,000 worlds to dust, you know, that kind of like it's like a stage play and so for me personally people can find that oh i hear a lot of people say oh that's potential for me personally it elevates the material um but for some other people just like i don't care like what does that matter so anyway that's a long way of justifying my my reasoning and i hope that (laughs) even if people don't understand even if people don't agree they understand um so yeah, we, we look forward to having you know more discussions about the Snyder Cut. I'm going to be doing video essays, um, which is going to be very fun for our audience. Um, 
So uh, thank you guys for listening. This was a very, very long discussion. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, let's bid our, our audience goodbye. Uh, Christian, where can the people find you on social media? <laughs> yeah, I definitely hope they enjoyed it. And it's been good being on this journey with you guys. So thanks thanks for bringing me along, all of you. Um, you can find me both on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at the same place. It's at chart6363. Very nice. And Brandon? I've, uh, once again, just glad to be here. Glad to be at the end of this this journey for now. Restore the Snyderverse. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore meatball underscore eighty four. Nice, and I have been yours truly, Lupe. You can find me on Twitter at live love Lupe, and at the same address on Vero, we have been yours, the film exiles. You can find us on Twitter at the film exiles, and at the same address on Vero social media app. Um, guys, stay safe. Uh, have fun with the Snyder Cut. I've seen it two times, and my my ranking and appreciation for it increases. It's, it's endlessly, you know, rewatchable. Um, if you guys want to discuss any elements, any themes, anything you you you've discovered, feel free to contact us. We love to talk about movies. Uh, we look forward to talking to you guys soon. And until then, stay exiled.